Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with both Pastor Omar and Pastor Isaac as they recap the comeback series. Um, it's a fun one-two punch kind of a thing where they go back and forth and just really hit the key moments of the comeback series. Also, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, be sure to follow us at PC Paramount and also check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. Well, it's good to be here tonight. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Are you guys excited? All right, all right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you as we were worshiping, uh, as we were worshiping tonight, uh, I was I was standing here, and uh, obviously uh, just a tremendous presence of the Holy Spirit here. But I, I'm going to tell you, right over in this area, I kept looking over at this area here, and uh, I I I promise. I heard a rumbling and a shaking, uh, like a, I don't know, cars, but a, a powerful engine. And it sounded like there was something just rumbling really, really loud over here. And I began to, I began to pray and ask God, what, what's going on over there? And I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that someone had breakthrough over here in their worship. I literally, I, I re- literally heard the rumble of praise and uh my goodness it's just powerful powerful time here together we're excited to be here uh with you guys as you can see this is a little bit different uh we don't do this uh we don't do this all the time uh but uh you guys are in for a treat tonight you have uh our senior pastor pastor omar lopez and uh and and so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do a sermon series summary a sermon series summary on the comeback and so uh those of you that are part of the church have been here uh you you know that uh the month of August was that August September I'm sorry the month of September was the comeback that was a series that that we did and so uh what we do on Tuesdays is uh after every after every Sunday service on Tuesdays Pastor Omar and I come together for prayer and devotion on Tuesday morning at 7:30, and those of you that join us and, and help and, and pray and intercede, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, but what we do is we we review the sermon, and oftentimes uh, you guys will know this that uh, Pastor Omar typically has a lot to say on a Sunday, and sometimes can't even get through all of the message. And so what we do is we take a lot of those uh, a, a lot of those key concepts, and we we try to reinforce them in those Tuesday mornings, uh, and to capture some of the things maybe we weren't able to get to. Um, or things that we thought were that needed to be reinforced, and uh, and so we started doing this uh, sermon series summary uh, a couple months ago. That's a, that's a that's a mouthful. Uh, but we we started doing this a couple months ago, and uh, I'll be very honest. I, I was I was the naysayer. I didn't think that it it was going to work, uh, but we got good feedback, and so we figured this is this is a good thing. And uh, uh, what we do is we're going to compact all of September into the next forty minutes or so, and so we might move we might move through through things uh, quickly, uh, but I believe that you guys are in for a treat. I believe that God is going to speak to you. How many of you are ready to hear from the Lord tonight? All right. All right. Well, again, those of you that don't know who I am, I, I, I know there's a lot of family here, but those of you that don't know who, who I am, and I know we had a couple of visitors, I'm one of the assistant pastors, a part of the, uh, a part of the pastoral uh, team here. Uh, my name is Pastor Isaac, and uh, Pastor Omar Sisoletia are our senior pastors. And I, I'll, I'll let you guys in on something if you didn't know this already, but the month of October is Pastors Appreciation Month. And so we're going to be honoring our senior pastors uh, here at our 11 o'clock service uh, on October. October 25th, and so I encourage you to be a part of that service. Be here. How many of you appreciate our senior pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty? 
Amen. All right, well, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into this message. Pastor Omar is going to kind of lay this out, but why don't we pray? Why don't you just bow your head right now with me? So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity for us to come together, and I pray, Father, that this would be a holy moment. Father, this is not by chance. This is uh, uh, th- this is not a random gathering, Father, but you preordained this, Father. You are sovereign, and Father, I-, I-, I pray, God, tonight, Lord, that we would lean into what you have to say to us. I pray, God, Lord, that you would open the hearts and the minds of your people, Remember every distraction. I, I rebuke social media right now that we wouldn't be uh, pulled away by Instagram and notifications. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would have a hunger for your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's continue to pray right now. We're going to pray for Brother Paul Peralza, who's uh, in the hospital, and he's one of our leaders here as well, and we want to pray for a complete healing. He's doing better, yeah. but I believe together it's corporate prayer. How many know there's right. power when people come That's together? Right. So would you just lift your hand? Let's pray for Paul right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are the miracle worker. You're the God of the supernatural. And God, we pray for Brother Paul. We pray, God, you'd open up his lungs, all his breathing passages, God. We pray that you would heal him right now of this disease, of this sickness right now. And Lord, we pray for a 100% recovery. God, we pray for Sonia as well, who's sick. We pray for healing in her body. And we come together as a church, believing you, God. God, you're the God of miracles. You're the God of the supernatural. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give everybody Amen. a praise Amen. today. Or give God a praise, I should Come say. On. I'm telling you. Uh, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. And so I believe that today. We're glad that you're here. And again, I'm excited to be able to do this series that we just did in September called The Comeback. Say comeback. And most of us know what a comeback is. In other words, you probably are familiar with sports. And in fact, I was just, before I came here this, uh, today, I was watching the Dodger game against Atlanta. And it looked like a pretty good comeback right now. So we're hoping that uh, uh, they'll win the series. And all you Dodger haters, uh, uh, don't worry about it. We're going to win it. We're going to go all the way. So, uh, But most of us know the sports analogy where the halftime score isn't the final score. And if you've ever watched football, you've ever watched basketball, or any of those kind of sports, you could see that a team is down, and suddenly, out of nowhere, it seems like this, the team got this, uh, this strength, an extra unction, and they come back and win the game. Well, I believe life can be that way, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can come back. And maybe there's been a lot of things that have happened in your life, various things that have happened to you. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe uh, you've lost something that you, you, you owned or whatever it may be, especially during this pandemic. And here, let me just say this. You may not get it all back, but I believe God's going to give you something more and above that. And I believe a comeback is coming. And that's why I, I, we taught this series because uh, we're talking about coming back, and especially during this pandemic and every that's going on. I believe God is ready to come back. Hallelujah. I believe the church is ready to come back. And I believe we're ready to see a great comeback from the church and the kingdom of God. And there's going to be a spiritual comeback. And one of great, a great examples in the Bible is a man by the name of Moses. How many are familiar with Moses? And the Bible said that God speaks to him uh, from a burning bush. And I just love the way uh, the Charlton Heston movie, Moses, no, Moses. 
Moses, you know. And anyway, I just love the way it all goes. But uh, it's a powerful example. His life is a powerful example of a comeback. And from the very beginning, uh, Moses should have even gone this far. From the very beginning, if you know the story, uh, Pharaoh has commanded all the, the male babies to be killed. And uh, abortion was already way back then. Can you imagine that? And they wanted those babies to be aborted. Uh, but by the grace of God, the Bible said the midwife didn't listen to Pharaoh. Didn't listen to what the government said, but listened to what God said. And the Bible said he saved that baby, and Moses, uh, for three months, was saved by his mom. And then, of course, you know the story. They put him in a little basket down the Nile River. And he's not only uh, taken uh, by someone, but it's Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter adopts him as her own. And you know the story. The very baby that the Pharaoh wanted to kill is the very baby that he's raises in his own palace. And so the miracle is that God raises up Moses in this palace, a baby that should have never existed. He makes a comeback. But again, we know the story that Moses had a downfall. And the downfall was he moved ahead of God. How many have ever moved ahead of God a little bit? And he realized, man, God doesn't need any help. Am I right? We got to move in the will of God. And so he moved ahead of God. He killed an Egyptian. And he winds up in the backside of the desert for 40 years. Not 40 days, 40 years. And he's in the backside. And you can imagine what's going on in Moses' life. He feels like a failure. He feels like a man that has not accomplished much. Uh, he was this prince. He was living in the palace. And now he's living in the backside of the desert, wondering what is going to happen with his life. And, of course, like I just said, he runs into a burning bush. But it's not just any burning bush. It's God himself, the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you something. When you run into the presence of God, your life will be changed. Your life will be transformed. And I love what God tells them. The Lord says, take off your shoes from the fire. I mean, here's this burning bush. And God says, take off your shoes for the place that you're standing on is holy ground. And it's ironic. We were talking about holy ground today. And, 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 and the Bible said that God speaks to him and he realizes he's in the presence of God. Now, I'm here to tell you that was a moment, a revelation that God spoke to him. And so don't, you know, don't wait for your neighbors in front of you with hair to start on fire or don't take off your shoes. That might not help anybody right now. But I want to just say to you that that burning bush experience came at a time when he wasn't expecting or expecting it. It, it came out as a surprise. And I can tell you sometimes your comeback is when you least expect it. That's right. But you need to open up your heart and eyes to the presence of God because God may be speaking to you. In fact, I believe God's speaking to some of you that are sitting here in this building and your comeback is right around the corner. I said your comeback is right around the corner. And God surprises Moses and tells him that he wants him to go back to Pharaoh and to let his people go. And Moses is so shocked. Moses says, who am I? Who am I that I should do this? How, how, I'm not even capable. I've been living here in the backside of the desert. I've been feeling sorry for myself. There's no way that I can go back and command Pharaoh to let your people go. And yet God says, you're the man. Sometimes God says, you're the person. Don't look around. Point at yourself. Says, I'm, I'm the one. I'm the one. That's right. And so you're ready for this comeback. Don't be afraid. Uh, don't be ashamed. And so uh, I'm going to let Pastor Isaac talk about it because really Moses begins to question God and says, who am I, Lord, that I should go? 
Yeah, so uh, how many of you have ever disqualified yourself? Oh, just some of us. Okay, there's more hands. Okay. What happens is the word of God comes to Moses and, 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 and God commissions Moses. Now think about this. Um, how, when's the last time you saw a burning bush that was not consumed? Never. And so, and so understand that it's not necessarily, it's not the miracle. And oftentimes we get caught up in that miracle, but we miss the commission of God. We miss the word of God and we miss the response that it requires for us to obtain the word of God. How many of you have, how many of you have, have had a word from the prophet, have, have had a word from the preacher that, uh, that God is going to do something in your life that you have destiny. How many of you have, have, have had that in your life? I, I said this before, I'll say this again, that the prophetic word or the the word of God that comes to the believer requires a prophetic response. You have to respond to the word. So, so here's Moses. Moses is commissioned by God himself. We say that it was God. It wasn't this burning bush. It was God. It was the presence of God. Commissioned him, ordained him, told him, laid it all out. And what did Moses begin to do? Make excuses. Say, make excuses. I'm here to ask you tonight, what, what excuses are you making? What has God commissioned you to do? What has God told you to do in boldness? And you're now making uh, you're now making excuses. And so Moses goes and starts to disqualify himself. We know the story. Uh, he starts to tell him that uh, that uh, he can't speak well. And so quickly, what happens is we start pointing to our shortcomings. How many of you have done that? Uh, well, I'm not as gifted. I don't have the words. I'm not eloquent. I don't know what to do. I don't know the whole Bible yet. All, all these different things that we begin to disqualify ourselves. And this is what God says in, in Exodus three. He says, God answered him, I will be with you. Amen. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. God answered him that I will be with you. And so I'm here to tell you that, that God, if God has commissioned you, if God has given you a word, you need nothing more. You don't need your abilities. You don't need your gifting. You don't need your talent. All you need to know is that God is with you. God will anoint you. God will give you the words to speak. It says in the Bible that, that, that uh, Moses didn't know what to say when he goes to Pharaoh. And God says, don't worry. Who made your mouth? I'll put words into your mouth that will, de that will deliver the word of God uh, to, to Pharaoh. And so listen, so many people, uh, uh, we're not walking in our comeback. We're not walking in the things. Uh, we're, we're stuck in the desert. We're stuck in the desert place. We're stuck in our failures and, and thinking everything presumably is over. I think about Jesus. How many of you thought, how many of you could, could imagine the disciples in a time where Jesus was crucified and buried? How many of you would think that all the disciples thought it's over? There's no coming back. What happened on the third day? Jesus was resurrected in power. I'm here to tell you tonight that you may be down and out. You may feel like you're a failure. You may feel like your marriage is presumably over. You may feel like you are spiritually dead. But I'm here to declare to you tonight that the, that the resurrection power will resurrect and you're set up for a comeback tonight. He goes on to say, uh, he goes on to say uh, 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 all these different excuses to God, and God tells him, uh, God, answers to, uh, God answers him in Exodus 4.1. He says that, uh, uh, but Moses protested again. How many of you guys are, are sometimes maybe just arguing with God? And uh, uh, time and time again, Jesus gives you an answer. God gives you an answer. The word of the God, uh, the, the, the Bible speaks to you. The preacher speaks to you, whatever it is. And we, we continue to fight with God. And, uh, and what, what Jesus said, he says, he says, uh, 
say this to the people of Israel in Exodus 3.13. He says, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name and my name to remember for all the generations. I'm here to tell you, despite your inadequacies, despite your disabilities, God will move on your behalf. God, will, God is all that we need to accomplish what he's called us to do. So the I am, he tells them, God says, I am has sent you. Come on. And Moses, because Moses doesn't know who he is. And God says, I am. I mean, who knows what I am means? But God is saying, I'm the one that can meet your need. I'm the one that can provide for you. I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm the one that can meet every need in your life. He said, you're not going to be by yourself. You're not going to be alone. The great I am is with you. And I want to say to all of you, the great I am is with you today. The great I am can meet every single one of your needs. And he is the God of peace. And so I'm thinking here that Moses is starting to realize that he's not going to be by himself, that he's not going to be alone and he still questions God how many know so many times God could speak to us and we're still questioning we've we've we have short memory don't we a lot of Christians man we're just like we have amnesia spiritual amnesia we forget what God did yesterday and the day before we're just worried about the now and Moses just finished talking and asking God who he was and God said I'm the one that can meet every need in your life I'm the one that can answer everything and Moses is still wondering how am I going to do this how is this going to be possible and then he begins to question God and he says what about them what are they going to say See, a lot of us this morning or this evening, we're worried about everybody else. Don't worry about everybody else. Focus on God. That's why it really gets me when people, when people want to leave the church because somebody offended them. Or somebody looked at them wrong. They weren't even looking at you. They wanted to go to the restroom, you know. And, 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 and you feel like somebody, you know, slighted you in a bad way or didn't treat you right. But I'm here to tell you, did we come here for people or did we come here for God? So if we didn't come here for people, why are we leaving because of people? We're here because of God. we got to keep our focus on God. And so God begins to uh, speak to him because Moses is saying, what about them? Uh, what about what are they going to say uh, to me? They're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe that you sent me. They're not going to believe that I'm the person. Uh, and he had this fear. And I can tell you so many times, fear will paralyze what God wants to do in your life. Because we allow fear to stop us and we fear people. We fear what they're going to say. We fear their opinion. We fear what people might say about us. And God is telling him, he just told him, I am. I'm the one that's with you. And he's still worried about what these people are, are, are saying to him or what they might think. And God tells him, what do you have in your hand? See, God says, I'll use what you got, not what you don't have. You need to look inside your heart and realize there's something great in you. And so he finally says, well, I have this staff. It's not much of it. He goes, throw it on the ground. Of course, we know that it turns into a snake. And of course, uh, you know, Moses jumps back. He goes, pick it up again. And, and, he, and he, it turns back into a staff. And God is showing Moses that I'm going to use what you have, not what you don't have. So every talent, every ability that you have, maybe you're a one-talent Christian, maybe you have two or three, God will use what you have. I said, God will use what you have for the kingdom of God. And do you realize in, that, in God's hand, that staff became a snake, and he, he, the person, all of a sudden, what Moses had, God used. 
From a problem, it became a promise. From a disappointment, it became a dream. See, your greatest hurt can become your greatest ministry. And so God began to use him in such a powerful way. And that staff was used to open up the Red Sea. That staff was used as he touched the, uh, the Nile River and it turned into blood. God used what he had in his hand for a miracle. And God wants to use you to do a miracle. That's right. Um, I, I love this. I love this. Uh, this quote from uh, Nick Vujicic, and if you don't know who that is, uh, that's a he's a motivational speaker. He's a believer as well, uh, but he has no limbs. He has no arms or legs, and uh, uh, he travels the world. He he speaks at at, at big gatherings, and uh, uh, he's uh, you know uh, the, the 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 doctors wanted to uh, really wanted to abort uh, uh, had mentioned to um, or suggested to abort him as a baby before he was born because he was going to be uh, born without any limbs uh and his parents chose not to do that and uh, uh and now and now he's a living miracle and this is this is what he said uh he said that if you can't get a miracle become one wow. and I, I i'm here to tell you that each and every one of you think about what's gone on in your life think about the different setbacks and 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 uh, failures that have happened in your life and each and every one of you sitting here right now declaring the goodness of god is a miracle in itself and so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you tonight, despite your, despite your setbacks, despite the failures in your life. We say this around here. Failure is an event. It's not a person. Don't identify yourself with your failures. You identify yourself as a child of the living God. You identify yourself as one that's on his way to a comeback. And I believe that God will empower you just like he empowered Moses. Uh, I, I want to, uh, we want to continue uh, in, in, uh, in, our sermon, in our sermon series. And we want to talk about uh, the life of Joseph. And there's a lot, there's a lot here. And we're going to, uh, we're going to move through this uh, pretty fast. But if, uh, if you've never read the story of Joseph, I recommend that you do. Go back. It's Genesis uh, chapter 14. And you can just read the whole story of Joseph. But Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was anointed. Jo Joseph uh, had it all. And, uh, and, he, and he finds himself, uh, he finds himself in, in a major, major setback in his life. And so, uh, uh, again, some of us have had big hurts in our lives. How many of you have been offended by people? Maybe, maybe family members, maybe things in your life have set you back. Uh, people have talked about you. People have discarded you. People have discredited you. Joseph knew exactly what that was. Joseph, uh, uh, you'll see in the story that he was actually punished a lot of the times for things that he never even did. Uh, he didn't do any wrong, but, uh, but people were coming against him. Now, how many of you have had some people come against you in your life? All right. Well, despite that, God will move, God will use that for a great comeback. And so God will use your setback as a set, as a stepping stone to a comeback. And so we're going to go through, there's, uh, there's 10 setbacks that, uh, that Joseph, uh, that Joseph encountered in his life. And I'll, I'll, I'll move through three or four of these and then I'll pass it off to Pastor Omar. Okay. But the first thing that, uh, the first thing that he did, uh, that, that he experienced in Genesis 37, uh, it says that, uh, his first setback was that he was mistreated and ignored by his brothers. And so how many of you have ever been ignored by someone? That's not, uh, that doesn't feel good, right? And so the word says, Jacob loved Joseph. Jacob, his father, loved Joseph more than any of his brothers or children uh, because Joseph had been born in his, to him in his old age. So one day, jo uh, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. I want to stop and say this. And this is controversial. People don't like to hear this. But favor is not fair. Wow. 
I want to say that one more time. Favor is not fair. And so, uh, and, and so you see, you see Joseph here. He's favored above all of his all of his brothers. Why is that? Because God had anointed him. God had set him apart. Favor is not fair. And so it, it goes on to say that one night uh, uh, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. And so again, maybe you've experienced dysfunction, maybe in your own in your own family. And I'm I'm here to tell you that despite that setback. God could use it for a great comeback. And so it says that the first setback was that he was mistreated and ignored by his brothers. And so uh, the second setback that Joseph experienced was that he was thrown in a pit of rejection. How many of you have ever been rejected and you feel like you're in a pit of rejection? You feel like uh, uh, people have just discredited you, have dis- uh, have discarded you, have have not valued you in your life. And Joseph knew exactly what this, what, what this was. Uh, it says in Genesis 37 that when Joseph Joseph's brother saw him coming. He was coming out uh, with his robe, uh, you know, big smile on his face, uh, unassuming. And he, he comes out there and it says that they saw him from a distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. They wanted to kill him. This is how much they 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 hated their brother. Uh, they wanted to kill him. And uh, and so he said. Uh, so the word says that uh, they said, "Here comes the dreamer," and they're mocking him right now. And uh, says, "Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or." A pit where, uh, and we could tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And now we know that Reuben speaks up and he saves him and he says, let's not throw him. Uh, let, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in, in, uh, uh, in this pit into the wilderness. And, uh, and, and then we know eventually that Joseph was actually sold into slavery. And so Reuben steps up and saves his life. Uh, they throw him into the pit, and as they as they see these foreigners coming by, they now sell him into slavery. And and this is this is this is kind of jacked up if you think about it. Uh, that Joseph was sold into slavery for less than the going rate. And th- think about this. This is how much they despised their brother. This is how much that they uh, hated their brother. That uh, they they sold him out on pennies on the dollar. And so many of us, I'm sure, in our lives have felt devalued. You felt like people just don't see the value in in you and I'm here to tell you that despite that if if God has if God has commissioned you if God has touched you if God has has given you destiny you have value in the kingdom of God and uh, and Joseph experienced this in his life and it, uh, the fourth setback that Joseph had was that he had to take on a new identity so it says that he's forced into slavery he's now in a foreign land and now he's doing something that he doesn't want to do. And, uh, and and so here, here it is, this man that had this great promise. He had this great dream. He had uh, this great destiny in his life. And now he's been, uh, he's been ignored. He's been rejected by his own family and now sold into slavery. He's now in a foreign land doing something that he doesn't want to do. I think about that right now. And I think about our current situation in this pandemic. Maybe many of you have lost jobs. Maybe some of you have even experienced demotions. Maybe you're doing something that you don't necessarily want to do, but you're doing it because you got to put money, you got to put food on the table. Uh, maybe your business is down or whatever it is. And Joseph understood what this was. He understood that I'm just going to do this and I'm going to be faithful to God in spite of what's going on around me. I'm not going to desert God. I'm not going to turn my back on God. I'm going to continue to hold faithful. And I believe that Joseph, because he had the promise of God, it held him and it sustained him. And I want to tell you today, maybe you find yourself in a place just like this. 
this. I'm here to tell you that the promise of God is yes and amen. And God is faithful to, to do exactly what he said he was going to do, despite what's going on in your life. So you could be down, but you're not out. Come Can you on. say amen? And you said you were going to do three points. You are going to the four. But I anyway, four. that's I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. But here, here's the thing about Joseph's life. It almost seems like his life is over. It seems like he, there's nothing good that's going to come out of it. And, and we sang that song, God, what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it for good. And this is where we get that song because this is the greatest example of a young man or anyone in life where it seems like the whole world is against you, where people are against you, and there's no way out of it. It's over. We used to uh, hear Chick Hearns on the Lakers say, it's in the refrigerator. It's over. You're not going to win. You're not going to make a comeback. But I'm here to tell you, uh, God has the last say when it's over. And when God says you got a comeback, a comeback is coming. And the Bible says that even though Joseph lost his identity, he's now a slave, even in that time where he loses his identity, God's hand is still on his life. And maybe there's some things that have happened in your life where you feel it has robbed your identity. Maybe you've lost a job and you're going, man, I, I, I identified with this job. Or maybe you've lost, uh, you've had a divorce and you go, man, I, I, I used to be married. I used to be a husband and a wife. I don't know who I am anymore. There could be a number of things that have happened, a tragedy in your life that has caused a setback, but I'm here to tell you that God takes a setback and he makes it into a comeback. Hallelujah. And the Bible says he's a slave, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get through every single one of these points, but he's forced to do this labor that he didn't sign up to do. But he did it faithfully. Can I tell you, wherever you're serving, whatever job you're doing, don't do it for that employer. Do it for the glory of God. You're, do, you're working for the That's kingdom. Right. And everything that he did, he honored God. And I believe that's why God raised him up. And he was punished finally in, in this house because Potiphar's wife, uh, the one that owned him, had the hot for him. Stay away from those women. Let me tell you, that lady, man, she, she, she had a big problem. She was after this young man, the Bible says, uh, and she kept uh, coming after him and, and really trying to seduce him. And thank God that Joseph did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. See, you, you got to decide in your heart to do the right thing. I talked about it Sunday. I said, you got to pre-decide and resolve that you're going to live for God. Not when the temptation comes, but before the temptation ever arrives. And I, I believe that Joseph already had it in his heart. Even though no one was looking, even though he was enslaved, any, even though his family was gone, everything around him was taken, he was still honoring God because God was watching him. You know why we need to do right? Not because people are watching us, not because we're in church, because God sees what we're doing. And we want to give God the glory. And the Bible says that this woman came after him and she tried to seduce him and try to get him to go to the bedroom. But the Bible says he ran from her and she held on to his robe. But see, friend, you got to flee sometimes. Sometimes you got to run from sin. Sometimes you got to get away from sin. Sometimes you got to avoid it altogether. And she lied and we know what happened. She made up a story, a court, that he tried to attack her. And none of that came out. I think we're going to have to move on to the next thing. But I'm here to tell you, at the end of the day, he went uh, from a slave from a prison, or not from a prison, uh, but he went from the, yeah, from, from the pit 
to the prison, to the palace, to the promise of God. He became second in command because God's hand was on his life. We're going to jump in, I think, to the next uh, message that we talked about, the comeback. And that's when, you know what, when it's hard to come back when you've lost your passion. How many Christians here, you've lost your passion? You've allowed some emotional things to happen in your life to drain that passion from you. Here's what I've seen a lot of Christians, man. When we're up, up on the mountaintop, we're shouting. We're, we're jumping. We're at the altar. But as soon as we hit the valley, man, we're nowhere to be seen. We're depressed. We get away from people. And a great example of this, believe it or not, is a prophet by the name of Elijah. And so we focused on Elijah on the third week of September. And we talked about even Elijah needed to have a comeback in his life. The Bible says, of course, we know that he challenges the, the prophets of Baal. He causes fire to come down from heaven. I mean, what a victory. And the Bible says fire comes, consumes the altar, and, and there's a great victory. All the prophets of Baal are killed, and it seems like God is going to shift everything around. And then there's this woman by the name of Jezebel. How many have ever heard of Jezebel? The Jezebel spirit. That woman says, you know what? Uh, she sends a messenger to Elijah and says, uh, may the God do to me worse than what's going to happen to you tomorrow. I'm, I'm out. She put out a hit on that guy. And it's amazing to me because it was just a messenger. Why didn't she just send the hit man? See, sometimes the devil, all it is is a bunch of words. Did you hear me? And we run in fear. The Bible says he runs and he leaves the place where he's at and he's on the run because this woman begins to threaten him and he's in a place, really gets into a place of depression. He loses his passion for God. He, he doesn't even, and a couple of things that he does on, on the way, a couple of things that he does is he leaves his servant uh, at another place and he isolates himself this is what happens with a lot of christians is the first thing we do when we lose our passion we isolate ourselves we stop coming to church don't we we stop fellowshipping we stop answering the text we don't answer the phone anymore nobody can you block everybody you don't want to talk to no one right and, and all of a sudden he begins to isolate himself he kind of gets away from everybody uh, and, and he begins to to kind of really turns around and starts blaming god and he blamed how many know when you, when you blame what you be lame right blame you be lame so stop blaming people. But I'm going to let Pastor Isaac go from here and kind of give us a little bit more insight. But, you know, give me a chance, too. Okay? Yeah, I got you. Go. I got you, Pastor Omar. I'll submit. So one of the, one of the great things about Elijah, if you, if you think about this, we, we love action, right? We love these action stories. We love, uh, we love these heroes. And uh, Elijah's got a lot, of, a, a lot of cool things in his story, and uh, that could keep you pretty entertained. But what I love most about Elijah, and uh, the Bible says this in uh, uh, James 5.17, listen to this. So, so we just heard about Elijah uh, completing this great feat. Uh, not only did he call down fire from heaven, but he also slayed all the, all the prophets of Baal as well. And so this is a great victory. But listen to this, what James says in five, uh, James 5.17. He says, Elijah was as human as we are. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. I'm here to tell you that Elijah, although he, he, he uh, accomplished great feats for God, he was just human 
just like you and I. And I'm here to tell you that the same feats, the same miracle, the same power that fueled Elijah's ministry is the same, is the same fire, the same passion, the same anointing that is available for every single one of you here tonight. And so listen, don't, don't be mesmerized. Don't be, uh, uh, don't be, uh, um, uh, uh, starstruck by the televangelist or the great men of God, respect them, honor them, but understand that you have the same access to the power of God in your life and begin to walk in, in your anointing. And so, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go through this, uh, a, a couple of things that that uh, uh, Elijah experienced in fear. So first of all, it was fear that sent him running. It was fear that sent him running. The word came and he got scared. Now, how many of us, I'm sure many times in our lives, you get a word, whether it's a, uh, maybe it's a doctor's report or maybe it's a report on a loved one or, or whatever it is. And that word that comes to us strikes fear in our lives. And so the first thing that Elijah does was he was fearful and he ran. Now, uh, uh, we, we understand that, uh, again, he, he began to isolate himself and move himself away from relationships. Those, these are all bad things, okay? These are not healthy for us to regain or refuel our passion. But, but one of the things that I believe that, that, uh, that we, we need to understand is that when Elijah was fearful, he began to make impulsive decisions. The Bible says that he begins to go and he just starts walking like, uh, like Forrest Gump. You guys seen Forrest Gump, uh, where, where he just starts running, right? He just gets word and he just starts running. People come running up next to him. Hey, where are you going? I don't know. I'm just running. And so this is Elijah. Elijah has no idea where he's going. He's lost direction. He's lost his direction. He's lost his vision. He has no idea what's going on. He makes an impulsive decision to start walking in the desert. He has, he doesn't have a, a canteen of water. He doesn't have, he left his relationship. So now he's isolated in this desert place. And, uh, and, and it's all, it's all bad. Uh, another thing that happens when we begin to lose our passion is that we exert ourselves beyond our own physical uh, capacity. And, and, and listen to me, I'm, I, I want to tell you something that's very, very spiritual. Uh, you're, you're probably you're, you're probably gonna laugh when I say this, but understand that God has God has given us rest. It says that on the seventh on the seventh day of creation that God rested, and, and so I'm here to tell you that uh, what happened with Elijah. Elijah began to exert himself beyond his own physical capacity, and uh, and and sometimes in our lives we just need to slow down and rest in the presence of God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you could do in your life is rest in the presence of God. No more calling, no more running around, no more chasing people down, no, no, no more conversations, no more meetings, just rest in the presence of God. And I believe that that's our first step in regaining our passion for God, regaining our passion and setting us up for a comeback is finding rest in the presence of the almighty God. And, and let me just say that everything that we're sharing today uh, we shared during the month of September, and you can go back and listen to each message in our podcast, and I think it will really encourage you. Now, we do know, and we're just going to close that one off, and we're going to go to the next uh, one that we, just, uh, that we just covered, the last one. But before I do that, Elijah ends up in a cave, and the Bible says that, that God, God, God shows up, but, but there's an earthquake, there's a wind, there's fire. And the Bible says that God was not in the wind, he was not in the fire, he was not in an earthquake, but in a still, small voice. Sometimes God is just a whisper away. And he's right next to you all, all this time, and all you have to do is call on God. And so this last one that we want to cover here because of time is failure. Sometimes we find ourselves in failure. How can we come back from a failure? How many have ever failed in life? 
You ever failed somewhere? You ever failed on a test? You ever failed? Ever felt like a failure as a husband, as as a wife, as a father, as a mom? Wherever you're at, maybe you you failed at something. You say, "Man, I tried this and it didn't work out." Well, the greatest example of one guy that really hit rock bottom, and yet he was so gifted was a guy by the name of Samson. And you can find the story of Samson in First Samuel, I believe it is, uh, or I'm do- sorry, Judges chapter 14. And in that story, the Bible says that ja- Samson, I was going to say Jamson, but Samson. Uh, That's a cool Samson name. Samson is uh, this strong guy. So if you just look up here. No, anyway, he was this strong guy. And he had, the, you know, uh, it was supernatural strength. Many times they, they even say that he probably didn't even look any physically different than everyone else. But it was supernatural. So he was highly gifted. He had all the giftings on him. Let me just tell you something. You could be gifted, but you lack character. And God is more interested in your character than in your gifting. Because really, he was a gifted failure. Because he had all these gifting, but he never took care of his failure. He never, or never took care of his character. He, was, uh, he got very angry. He, he allowed himself uh, to do things and look at things that he wasn't supposed to. He ate the wrong thing. He tasted the wrong thing. Yet this guy was so empowered and so anointed of God, but yet he lacked the character. Many times we could be emotionally driven. We could even be gifted driven, but you're not spirit driven. Because spirit-driven is you have some character. I said you got some character behind it. And I've seen people, even many believers, they have lots of talent. They have lots of ability, but they have no accountability. In fact, the Corinthian church was a highly gifted church. They had all the giftings, but they they didn't like to follow authority. And so Paul had to lay down an order. He said, you have all the gifting, but you don't have the character of love in your life. You know, you don't have the character that it needs. And so sometimes our gifting can be up here, but your character needs to catch up to your gifting. So I'm not impressed by gifting. I appreciate gifting, but I want to see some character in that person. And so the Bible says that that, uh, because of Samson's inability to have any discipline in his life, that we pick up the story where they gouge out his eyes. And now he is... uh, um, a prisoner of the Philistines, which were the enemies of God. And they got him uh, basically uh, pushing this, this uh, what, what, would I, what, what do I call it? This, like this, a stone mill. Yeah, right. the stone mill, right? And, the, and he's grinding this mill. And so when, you're, when you're, you're feeding the enemy, when you should be fighting the enemy. And the scripture says that here he is, this guy is now finding himself as a prisoner. But let me tell you where it started. It started when he let his eyes look at the wrong thing. And so I'm going to let Isaac, Pastor, I see, I'm going to let you in on this. See, Thank go you. ahead and, and kind of share a little bit of that. And then, and then we'll close it up here for a few minutes. <laughs> go ahead. So, so yeah, we're, we're, we're picking up the story where, where Samson is now, uh, and, and, and we don't have time to get into all of it, the Nazarite uh, um, uh, vow and all of that stuff, but he's now, he's now in prison, right? And as Pastor Omar said, uh, the first thing that got him was his eye. It says that a woman caught his eye. It goes on to say that he goes to his father, his, his parents plead with him, hey, 
why don't you find a woman from our own tribe right right here? No, 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 no. Um, uh, get her for me because she looks good to me. Now listen to this. He had a promise. He had anointing. He had destiny. But he allowed his fleshly desire, he allowed his lust to overpower and take precedence over the mandate in which God put for us. And now listen. It's not by coincidence that they gouged out his eyes. His eyes were the first to go. I'm here to tell you that the, as, as we allow our eyes to, to, to lay rest on things that are of our fleshly desire or our fleshly nature, we will begin to lose the vision that God has given us in our lives. We'll begin to lose the purpose that God has, has appointed in each and every one of our lives. It says that they gouged out his eyes, and so now he can't see anymore. And I, I often think about this in this age of technology, when we have, uh, when we have these devices, powerful devices, that we could go anywhere. We could see anything that we want. We could see it in the public, and we could see it in the private. And I'm here to tell you that we have to be we have to be on guard as to what we allow into uh, for our eyes to see, because we all know, and we've heard the story, uh, we heard the saying that our eyes are the windows to our soul. And so we need to guard our eyes. We need to guard what's going on and what we're allowing into our hearts and our minds this way. And so listen, anytime you begin to compromise, you lose your vision. Uh, Samson's life was full of compromise. Time and time again, he compromises his Nazarite vows. And the moment we do that, we begin to lose our vision. We can't see the opportunities that are in front of us. We can't see the blessing anymore. How many of you have become like uh, apathetic or, or, or not grateful in your life? You just take everything for granted and, and everything is bad. When, uh, when, when, when you lose vision, when you lose the ability to see the blessing of God on your life, uh, we begin to lose our way. And so uh, as Pastor Omar said, Samson was feeding what he should have been fighting. And I want to tell you, I want to, I want to warn you uh, tonight here, what are you feeding in your life? Think about it. And I'm not saying that you're in some, some deep sin, but how, how, much, how, how much time are you spending in binging in Netflix or binging in Disney Plus or binging on, on whatever it is that, that you like to binge on uh, instead of binging or, or, or studying the Word of God, instead of spending that time in the presence of God in prayer? Uh, and so I, I want to challenge you tonight to, to consider what you're binging, what you're feeding yourself. Uh, I'm sorry. Here, here we go. Another, another one. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. So, so there, so there's two, there's two responses. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up with Samson. So, two things. As he finds himself, uh, he's in prison and shackled. There's two responses typically that we have in this time. The first thing is remorse, and I want to tell you something about remorse. Uh, it, there, there's a difference between remorse and conviction. Okay, conviction by the Holy Spirit moves you to a place of repentance, but remorse will keep you in a circle of failure time and time and time again. We say this often here that life is, we don't want life to be cyclical. We don't want things to go, uh, we don't want our, our, our issues to go in cycles, but we want to come in and out of seasons. We understand that God allows things into our lives for a season, but as we go through things, we're supposed to grow through things. So typically, our response naturally is either remorse 
or we internalize and we begin to blame other people. And so I believe that Samson had, had a choice in this moment. He could have lived his life in remorse. He could have uh, felt bad for himself. He could have got down on himself. Or he could have in, internalized it and started to blame Delilah. How many of you, uh, maybe in a failure, began to blame other people, began to blame other, other things, other situations? I'm a victim of circumstance. I'm a victim of my upbringing. I'm a victim of my family, whatever it is. And I believe that Samson had that choice in this moment, but he chose a different choice, and he chose repentance in that moment. Is it my turn? It's All your right, turn. awesome. <laughs> so we're going to close it off here. I appreciate Pastor Isaac, and he's covered so much. And I tell you, it's wonderful to be able to, uh, isn't he doing a great job? And so I'm teasing him. And it's been a great joy to be able to, uh, again, do many of our devotions together, especially doing the summarizing this. And I think here's the key, and we're going to close with this here, is that there's two responses to failure. I think Pastor Isaac said it earlier. Failure is not a person. Failure is an event. But if you're not careful, you allow it to be a person. You allow yourself to be a failure. And so one response is what Pastor Isaac just talked about. You can live in regret and remorse. And just say, I'm a bad person, I'm evil, I'm terrible, and, and internalize it and say, man, I'm no good. Or you could do this, you can repent. And I believe the greatest response when we failed is repentance. And, the, and, and repentance, again, comes from the word repent. And what it means is a 180 degree turnaround, going a different direction. It's the ability to say, you know what? You don't make excuses, but you have an attitude that says, I blew it, I messed up, it's all my fault, but God, I need you to heal me. Can you say amen? Yeah. See, you can never change the past. You can never change what you've done in the past, but you can change the future by your repentance. The greatest thing that you can do, the greatest privilege that we have as Christians is we have the opportunity to repent. The only way you can get saved, the only way you can get right with God is repentance. Turning away from your sin and turning toward God. See, when you repent, it does something for you. It changes your mind and it changes your heart and it changes your behavior. If you truly repent before God, it changes the way you think. It changes your heart and it changes your behavior. You're walking a new life. The Bible says we're a new creation in Christ. And I'll tell you what, God is always, the Bible says he's willing that none perish, but that all come to repentance. How many thank God that he's patient? Man, some of you, man, if I were God, I'd have struck you a long time ago. But thank God I'm not. Thank God I'm not. God would have struck me. You know, some of you were, man. But you know what? God's patient. He waited. He waited. He kept giving you one opportunity after another. Now, we know there's going to be a point, the Bible says, that, that that time is going to be limited. We don't know when that is. If I were you, I wouldn't push it. Amen. If I get an opportunity, the Bible says that the Spirit of God will not strive with man forever. That no one comes to the Father and let the Spirit draw him. So when the Spirit of God is drawing you to repent, it's at that moment you need to turn to God. And the great thing about God... If he gives us another chance. 
He gives us another chance to get it right. And Samuel, or Samuel Samson, I'm sorry, gets another opportunity. And if you know the story, he's able to uh, tear down, the, he puts his hand between the pillars and, and, and he destroys all the enemies. And the scripture tells us no greater love than a man has in this, that he gives his life for a friend, he sacrifices his life for everybody else. And the Bible says more enemies died that day than any other time that he did anything else. Why? Because God heard that call. He said, God, give me strength just one more time. And I believe today that God wants to give you strength and he wants to give you his spirit one more time if you'll repent. He'll give you an opportunity today. Maybe you, you feel like, man, I, I, I don't know if I can come back. I'm telling you here today, you can come back. In fact, if you're away from God, you can come back. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.